You're listening to Resist and Restore, a podcast from the Circle of Hope Pastures, where we're extending the table of our dialogue. I'm Johnny Rashid. I use he, him pronouns. I'm Rachel Sensenegg. I use she, her pronouns. And I'm Julie Hoke. I use she, her pronouns. We're back and better than ever. Here we are, Season 3, Resist and Restore. Julie, Rachel, Johnny, we're going to bring a lot of great content for you this season. We're excited about the guests that we have coming up. Um, And can I just tell them some guests that we have? Yeah, sure. My friend Andre Henry is going to join us later in the summer. He wrote a book about all the white friends he's lost. Dante Stewart's going to come and tell us about the fire that's in his body in a book that he wrote. Will O'Brien is going to talk to us about the politics of the Gospel of Luke. Mm. Um, and then we have my so friend good. Christy Burmeister is going to show up and talk about... Um, she was actually... She has this great memoir she wrote about how she was... This is kind of gruesome. Stalked in her church. It's called Act Normal. And how in her Anabaptist setting, responses to abuse just didn't work very well and what she learned from that. So it'll be a vulnerable conversation. She's been a friend of mine, but that's something to, in some ways, look forward to, but also to learn from. So we should have a lot of interesting stories and guests this season, and I'm excited to share them with you. Um, But we're going to start with some talk back. Sunrise just happened. The sunrise worship just happened on Lemon Hill. It was the first time Mm -hmm. our church was together on Lemon Hill since 2019, Right, the last time we were together, I was closer to being thirty years old than I am to being forty right now. So that's like an interesting thing for me to consider. So it was a long time ago, but here we are, back on Lemon Hill, and we heard some really good stories. So mm-hmm. for Easter sunrise, that's right. For Easter sunrise, yes, just, want to share? It? We're gonna, just to make it plain. <laughs> let, let's let's, yes. let's let's share those. Yes. Yes, it was really a glorious time. I think um, we were, and surprising, I think none of us really knew what to expect. We've gone gone through some really hard times as a church in the middle of the pandemic, and um, to be back up there with so many new and old friends um, just was a real testament to the rising of Christ. (laughs) And um, so three, three of our partners shared stories, um, and they were so impactful, so meaningful um, about grief, about um, breakups with family of origin and finding new sense of family in the church, um, about the difficulty and confusion of, of transitions, and about coming home, um, both geographically and spiritually. And uh, they resonated with lots of folks. And so I'm wondering if we can just reflect on them here together, pastors. What what resonated with you from the stories of our friends that morning? Uh, one thing that I heard that morning through the story of grief, our friend shared uh, about losing a loved one during the pandemic. And she talked about how isolating it was to go through such a huge loss, um, you know, in this in this time. And how even though there were people that uh, were close to her and, and s- stayed with her and showed up for her, 
She largely felt alone in it just because of this isolation, and so sharing her story on Easter morning with the whole church felt really connective and healing and powerful. Uh, She even told me more about that later. Uh, So what's staying with me is just the... um, the impact of being vulnerable and and talking about what have what have this last two years been like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so many people feel like they have been through so much and um, largely alone. I think um, we need to know what other people feel and have been through, and that the act of sharing and being heard and held is is a part of our recovery process from this whole uh, pandemic experience. Mm-hmm. Mm. Another person shared about how they had developed a severed relationship with their family, like they were very much cut off, and in their life they felt like they didn't have a familial connection. Um and that's a real painful process to go through. I can relate to that too. Um, not being accepted and welcomed into family. And then through the church, they found a new sense of family, a new sense of belonging and connection. And I hope that that's the kind of place we can be for folks, where if you feel alone, we can help you connect to a family, to know that you belong, to give you the confidence and the hope you need to just be yourself and be present to your body and to who God is making you to become a human with God. And then maybe even allowing that the secure attachment that you have in the church to allow you to venture into difficult spaces in other parts of your life as you seek reconciliation and healing in those. That could be a part of the process too. You find your sense of family here and then you become a more connective and emotional and available person to other areas that require your new self to be in, you know? So, like, that, 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 I hope that um, we can nourish people in a sense of family here so that they can bless others with that same sense as well, so that when others connect with them, they also feel like they're part of a family too. Mm. Johnny, that's really what I was feeling from the other friend who shared um, they were bringing that, that energy, that sense of reconnection and family. Um, They talked about throwing stones in the ocean on the other side of the world, um, processing um, grief and big questions uh, about where home is and realizing then that this is the same ocean um, on the other side of the world, back in the United States near Philadelphia, it's the same ocean. And and I, uh, the message to me was like, oh, like some assurance that God is bigger, big enough to hold. Mm-hmm. All the stuff, all the difficult stuff that we're that we're trying to sort out and have so much trouble sorting out, of course. Um, but there's this um, capacity in in the heart of God that we are in 
um, that can can hold us and even connect us in those questions. Absolutely. It was it was a lovely time on Easter sunrise. Anything else you want to say, pastors, about it? I think we're going to get a little bit into this into our next section, but the last two years were really hard. Mm-hmm. And parts of me like couldn't imagine getting back together there. We didn't know if we would, even as a whole body, you know. Mm-hmm. And I won't act like there wasn't palpable loss that I could observe on the hill. But there was also a lot of uh, joy and a lot of opportunity, you know. I wonder what um, I wonder what parts of us stay in the grave and what parts get resurrected, you know. I wonder what stays dead and what is made alive, you know. That's like a new idea for me. You know, maybe there are things that we need to die to, let go of, um, as, we, as we emerge as new people after Lent, you know. Lent's about hmm. fasting, you know, burning the the uh burning the spring garbage and coming out kind of purified so like i just i wonder about that too like who are we now where do we go now and we made it you know Mm. on this side we came through that's right thanks pastors that's a great lead into our next section Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. I'm so glad you connect with us. It's great to be part of the same body and community. Look, we want more people to hear this podcast. We want the content to bless people that you think would like to hear it. So subscribe to our podcast, share it with friends, and be sure to give us a five-star rating wherever you listen and write a review about what you like about the podcast. That'll help more people see it. If you want to connect with us, you can join us online for our Sunday meetings or in our buildings. Um, We have meetings in South Jersey, South Philly, Germantown, and Fishtown. And also we have cells that meet um, in people's homes, outside, and also on Zoom as well. So no matter where you are, there's a sure way that we can connect to you. Go to circleofhope.church and find our daily prayer blog, where you can follow along with new contributors that share reflections daily, as well as a place to share money. There'll be a giving button that you can uh, press there and contribute. Sharing money with us helps us keep this podcast going. It helps pay Laura, our communications manager, who puts this podcast together. And it also just helps keep keep the whole church's mission going. You can find out more about our church, Circle of Hope, on there. And I hope that it inspires you to join us or to bless your community with what you receive from us as well. Thanks again for listening. So, in typical fashion, I did not plan very well for this. Um, so, this is just, I'm just telling the listening audience I didn't. I had this idea the last two years. I mean, I'll be honest with you. It's 10, 12 right now. I had this idea like at 9, 12. So, maybe I should have given it to you at 9, 12. I was like, <laughs> what are we going to talk about on the season opener? Because the rest of the season is booked with guests. We read their books. We write questions, whatever, whatever. You know, but like usually when the pastors get together to host a podcast, we have a subject in mind, right? Um, I did not have one in mind. I just thought, eh, we'll figure it out. And then I booked all the guests. And then at 9 12, I was like, wait, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> and then I thought, you know, you should tell Rachel and Julie something ahead of time because they like to think in advance, you know, like normal people, you know, like that would be normal for humans, right? Um, 
but then I didn't, and then I got on here, and I was like, so what do you think about this? We've had, like, a hell of a last two years, anti-racism, pastoral transitions, the pandemic, it's been really difficult, lots of tears, sweat, maybe, hopefully not a lot of blood, um, but, you know, lots of pain, lots of heartache, but also lots of... uh, rebirth and joy and new opportunities and lessons learned. Can we just bear our hearts together to the listening audience here and talk mm-hmm. about what we've learned? You know, that's the that's the question. So we're going to give this a shot. Is that cool? We'll give it a shot. <laughs> we'll try. <laughs> it helps that I've been sharing my heart with you, with the two of you, uh, regularly over these last two years. Mm-hmm. But it does feel vulnerable. I mean, let's just say it. It does feel vulnerable to um, try to process and even, um, like, not conclude. But it almost feels like we're supposed to be sharing conclusions or something. <laughs> when when I, I still feel very much in process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's probably better that way. It's probably better to share our process than uh, try to come to conclusions. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So thanks, Johnny, for that. I appreciate the the lead up to <laughs> just in transparency because <laughs> I definitely am one who wants to think uh, and process ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Yep, me too. I'd rather talk about things when it's all done and wrapped up with a bow. But this is not that moment. We are so still you're very our much. Church isn't all wrapped up in a bow right now, Rich. It's <laughs> no. not all perfect. You don't have all the answers. <laughs> We are totally in the midst of this transition, this re this rebirthing process. And mm. as we know, birth is really hard, really painful, really messy. So what's the prompt again? <laughs> yeah. All right, How so specific let's, let's, okay. should we get? Uh, here's, the, here's what I'm thinking. Um, two years ago, over two years ago, the pandemic happened. I don't think we knew how much it would impact us, right? Like, so I want to talk about how it impacted the church, but like, what are the biggest differences between March 2020 and now May 2022? Like, over two years later, for Julie, for Rachel, for me, Johnny, what are the biggest changes? How have you changed? How have you grown? What have you learned even about yourself? Can we go there? Is that okay? Wow. I'll start. Can I start? Yeah. That way, you don't have to listen very well to me. You can think about what you want to say. (laughs) No, we're listening. The pandemic, for me, took away layers of my life that I used to cope with my pain. Activities, friends, social stuff, busy schedule... You know, working from coming home, doing like a childcare kind of like switch with my spouse. She leaves, I'm, you know, like we're just mm-hmm. making our whole life work. It's full. It's school drop-offs, right? Packing lunches, getting out the door, coming back, homework, showers, bedtime, you know, like you're just moving. The pandemic slowed all of that down and took so much away. So then all of a sudden we're just left with ourselves. And for me, the biggest thing that happened was... The coping mechanisms that I used to avoid the most vulnerable and intimate parts of myself, which I, I, uh, I do as a rule. I want to cover up the pain with whatever I can do, you know. Usually I cover it up with uh, um, intellectual things. That's like the, my thoughts keep me from my feelings. That would be how I work. 
Um, and I remember in the beginning, I was like, hey, we're doing all this together. We're masking, social distancing, quarantining at home, just trying to keep everybody safe. Let's do it. There was that motivating spirit. And then all of a sudden that just wears down and you get tired and then you see the insides and then you see the pain, right? And then like for me, it's like, oh, wow, I experienced... trauma, pain, abuse, racism that I just am now learning about, you know, like I, I, I slowed down and then finally felt it. Mm. And so like, and then even towards the end of the pandemic, and maybe I'll talk about this later, I won't say too much right now, but, you know, learning also about like my um, different parts of my sexuality too, and realizing like, not only did I learn that I was more of a victim of racism than I realized both in Circle of Hope and outside of it, I also was a victim of, like, homophobia to an extent, and I didn't even realize that about myself. The one that I had some, some of those desires, but also that what kept me from those desires was pain and difficulty. So, like, I, I, the analogy I've used is, like, it's finding a body part that you didn't know you had, and when you discover it, it's all beaten up. You know, it's all torn apart. It's like, wow, I didn't even know this existed, and now that it's out, all that it's brought is pain. It's like seeing a bubble on your wall that you know is like some water damage, you don't know what it is, you ignore it. The pandemic comes, you finally get to the house projects you've been ignoring forever, and then you start chipping away at it, and it's like totally rotted. The whole wall is rotted and ruined, right? So like the discovery of the pain and mining it and, and finding it for me um, show, showed me my woundedness and like, I really am hopeful that God can use um, the wounds that I've endured, um, I guess, for healing, you know, like Jesus's wounds. You know, like I've never thought of myself as a wounded heal. I never even thought of myself as a wounded person. So now, like, I'm looking at like, oh, well, wounded healer. That's interesting. So that's one thing that I grew and, and, and learned from. There's something else I'll share later. But what about y'all? Mm. That was a lot, Johnny. Thank you. Uh, I'll, I'm still working this out, but the word surrender has come to mind a lot for me. Um, surrendering to a way of the spirit that is beyond my, like, all the things I was trained to do to, like, feel valuable or worthwhile <laughs> um mm. so i think what i think what has been falling away in the pandemic and and through these transitions in our church is like um sort of like the things that i used to do to kind of like hold hold people together um hold s systems together um, I think there was, yeah, and I mean, not to zoom out too far, but like a lot of like empire stuff in there. Like I was raised in a, in a military family, very patriarchal. And I thought that I kind of had already like broken that down and, um, recovered to a certain extent but no there was like a lot more shedding of layers to do um so 
me not needing to like do the work or perform in a sense to like hold things together and like and all the like competition and um sent like need for results and production that comes with that um that's what's been that's what Jesus has been chipping away at and I and you know and I have been hearing that that invitation that was my favorite verse as a child like come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you <laughs> and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart so I think what I'm being called into is this um this gentleness toward myself and others that I hadn't learned yet that I didn't even really know was possible. Beautiful. <clears throat> mm. um, Jenna, you're asking about the framework of the, the pandemic, the two years of the pandemic, and yet for as disruptive and um, difficult as it has been, what what comes... I mean, it is the backdrop for my learning and transformation as a leader, um, particularly around our anti-racism work. Um, I think that I like the use of layers that you both are talking about. That Mm. seems like a good description for me, too, that there I might have thought that I was... um, My perception of myself was uh, skewed, you know, and so in in these last two years, there have been layers that have been um, falling away, and so much of that has to do with um, the gift of wisdom and discernment that leaders and uh, partners in our church have offered as they have shared themselves and um, done difficult things um, and, you know, uh, had the courage to speak speak the truth in love about um, where we need to change and how we need to change. Um, mm. So that, that has changed me. And, you know, I think thought I understood systemic racism, for example. I'm a social worker, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. I've worked in Philadelphia for, as a social worker for 11 years before being a pastor. Um, but it is really different to, I mean, maybe the difference is encountering the racism in me in new ways. Like, I've been, I've been in it in the systems with people who are trying to navigate systems and survive. <laughs> but um, coming face-to-face with, like, what does it actually look like for when that shows up in me and in our church? I wouldn't have been able to say two years ago. And so the the pain and difficulty of um, being able to look at myself as a leader and our church community that I love uh, and listen mm. humbly to those who are willing to 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 share their experiences 
uh, without defending and saying, well, this was the intention or this is why or this is the rationale or these are the, you know, no, that's not what we're doing. All of that um, has been building like stamina maybe or like (laughs) momentum no building my capacity Mm. my capacity to um confront the ways in which i've been formed and shaped by the powers of the world you know Mm -hmm. and how and how we have as a predominantly white church um just sort of unconsciously you know perpetuated them um Mm -hmm. So that level of consciousness has changed. So I feel tired in my head. <laughs> I have done so little moving in my body, and yet my head has like been, I've been in my head a lot, you know, for the last two years. Um, and I know that being, that anti-racism work is so intimately connected to my body as a white person. Um, so that's also been a big part of my learning more recently is to do some more of that work. I don't even know if I should get into that right now. I've, I've talked long enough. Did any of that, was any of that specific enough to make sense? (laughs) Oh yes. Very resonant, Julie. Thank you. So I can say that our church has moved, Julie was talking about this a little bit, like um, into a more liberatory framework when it comes to matters like anti-racism addressing ableism, LGBT inclusion, and things like that. For you, as you look at, because we have a new map that's about hopefully being approved in the middle of May here. Um, and as you look back at where we are and where we've, where we ended up, um, how did we, and I, I think it's fair to say that the church is taking on a new form in many ways. How did we get to that place? What are the things that made that happen, you think, within you and also within our body? What do you think um, changed? I think one thing that happened, I guess I'll get us going if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm asking questions and then answering my own questions, so that's like a little unusual, but <laughs> here we go. Um, I heard a lot of feedback during the pandemic that doing things on Zoom was difficult, that doing things on Zoom was disconnective and challenging. And I admittedly, Zoom can be tiresome for me too, so I understand that. But there's something about Zoom that flattens hierarchy in an unusual way. We're all the same size squares. We're all (laughs) muted. It's harder to like even interrupt on Zoom. No one's taller than you, really. Like you know what I mean? Like there's no physical foreboding presence. No one's up front. You know, so you can say some of the things that you want to say that you might have been otherwise afraid to say. I'm not an introvert, so someone's going to have to speak to this, but like, I feel like it's easier for an, someone who's introverted to get a word in edgewise on Zoom, um, especially if the facilitator allows for the space. Um, so I think we just heard from new voices in this format, and people that could be prone to dominating meetings or spaces have a harder time dominating a Zoom room, so we heard from you know, minoritarian voices. I mean, that's just, that's my impression. That helps shape us. Does that resonate with you? Does that make any sense? I think it also made gathering more accessible for people whose schedules, whose work, whose childcare, whose health, Mm -hmm. all of that um, would not have allowed. So that definitely got more people in the room 
and enabled us to hear uh, from more of the body of the church. Mm-hmm. It's happening in the room. Is that the line from Hamilton? In the room where it happens. <laughs> in the room where it happens. <laughs> I want to be in the room where it happens. You had all the words, just a different <laughs> order. The room where it happens, the room where it happens. <laughs> I mean, it's not just one, it's not just one factor. Um, Zoom definitely characterizes a big part of these last two years though doesn't it <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i mean it's like it's the cultural climate it's it's everything we like, had what do you mean insu- when you say an, that an insurrection at the capitol where the leader stood on whatever the congress floor and prayed to jesus like you know there there's did you a- wish you could join him and pray for jesus too julie uh n- n- no <laughs> it was horrifying it's a joke. i mean it was a joke i know we're kind of laughing but it was horrifying and <sighs> my cell was just talking about this last night like we were reflecting on the changes uh in circle of hope over these last two years and someone was like uh i don't even remember what prompted this but we we were saying yeah we have to be a different church the world is a different world than it was two years ago, five years ago, ten years ago. Um, and we have to be able to respond to this moment, to what we're hearing and seeing, and what the Spirit is saying to us um, that leads us to resist <laughs> and restore um, with others who are moved by the Spirit. You know, we've said that from the beginning. Of circle of hope, but but as the world changes, what we're the ways in which we resist and restore look differently, and so I I think that the clarity um, uh, that has come over these last two years has come in part because of the way because of what's happened around us and within us. Rachel, what do you think? Mm. Having lots of vulnerable thoughts. <laughs> Can you share any? <laughs> That's what I'm pondering. Um, we also went through huge leadership transition, and um, our founding pastors stepped out of the way and... Um, that moving out of the way process was really, really, really painful. Um, But I think so important for the body, for, for folks on the margins of our own structure to come to the center and 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 the, for the body to be to come together and to heal, I think we're just starting to see that opportunity um, open up. And so, kind of the, you know, even though we're a church and we don't like to think about power, or historically we haven't liked to think about power in our own system. 
there there was a there was a power center and um or a center of authority and um what's happened over the past two years is that has been that has that that has been disassembled and um and 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 very difficult for folks who've been around in circle of hope for a long time to to like to imagine a different way and to see the ways that we've needed to change in order to actually be an inclusive body that can keep moving with the spirit mm-hmm. yeah and not just inclusive but mutual like mutual we've always talked about mutuality we've mm-hmm. always talked about this church as a community where we lead in teams and we work together and um i think not talking about power actually um kind of uh m- makes room for power to work in ways that we're not conscious of and mm-hmm. so talking about it becoming conscious um taking responsibility for um at least beginning to <laughs> for um where we were and where we want to go actually creates the opportunity for mutuality in a whole new way um which is not just about like including those have been who have been excluded but about leading together and imagining a new way of of um operating mm-hmm. as a community totally and I, I would say another thing that changed over these last two years and is named now in our map goals for the coming year and more um, is about slowing down the pace of our life together and I have been reflecting on how in these last two years we have had to um, like the world has slowed down right the, the pace of our personal lives in some ways like johnny was saying the rhythms are all disrupted and even uh completely interrupted um enough for me to see that the pace of our life together uh in the past has kept me from really paying attention to and reflecting on the things that the tensions that come up the unanswered questions that i have the (laughs) the things (laughs) that um don't sit well with me or that the instincts that I have uh, to pay attention. Yeah. I have, I have um, almost trained myself just to keep moving in order to keep up with the pace of our life together and not made enough space for that kind of reflection and asking questions and pausing. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a big change that's happened for me. In these last two years, and I think for our church, too, the whole church is discerning the need for that. Um, because in that pause, we can uh, attend to our own self-awareness as individuals and community awareness, uh, which will be essential, both for reflecting on the past and for imagining a future together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, I, I'm I'm longing for the continuance of that work, like just in noticing sort of like the 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 aggressive <laughs> like 
way that we've been taught to operate, like in this culture that has that has seeped into the church. Um, man, that's it's it's so it's so tiresome and it's so harmful. And um, I think we're moving into a new way. I hope that is more gentle, gives us more space to to think, to pause and think and consider who and what we haven't considered before. Oh no, Rachel left. Maybe she'll come back. I think she was going to say, pause and consider, you know, who and who we haven't included and so on and pause and consider where we're going and probably pause and consider before throwing questions at uh, pastors and podcasts that they haven't prepared for. You know what I mean? Like that kind of new way of doing things, slowing things down. Maybe that's the idea. What do you think, I, Johnny? Are, are we getting there? Are we, are we answering the question on the fly? I think so. Here? You know, I think that, I think that um, for me too, it was, I have to tell you that during the pandemic, there was periods of time where like, I thought, I don't know if I can make it out of here. You know, there was moments where I acted and did things because I was that desperate, because I knew I couldn't go on unless I shared my voice. You know, my uh, shields and guards were so worn down, I couldn't help but say something back, you know. Um, I'm a three on the Enneagram, which is the... In the heart triad, so there's a lot of emotions, but threes tend to cover up their emotions. But the pandemic really wore away at those things, and I, mm. there were things I wanted to express. And it was a super painful process. I was vulnerable in my self-disclosure and also very, um, you know, exposed as a result and then prone to being hurt. And, yeah, it was super painful, super difficult, you know. And it still is, you know. I'm not through the pain yet. I'm not through the difficulty. Um, but it's certainly difficult. It's certainly, it's certainly, certainly still there. Mm-hmm. Totally. What do you think happened to Rachel? <laughs> well, there she is. Rachel's back in the room where it happens. <laughs> Rachel, are you there? I'm here. I'm so sorry. That's Okay. I kind of finished your thought and said, yeah, we're creating more space for people to, to listen to people that we haven't listened to and to un- understand what, what, what we've missed by moving ahead so quickly. You know, mm-hmm. I think we're changing mm-hmm. our approach to um, work. I think our team works together a lot more. I just want to tell you that when we get together for our pastor's meetings, we spend a lot of time sharing emotions, things we're, learn- we're learning because there's been so much difficulty, right? And as we've endured lost loss and pastoral transitions and boundaries around former pastors and the whole thing. We, Rachel, Julie, and I are now, you know, in many ways, you know, with our leadership team, you know, leading the church. And, you know, I don't think we would have ever called ourselves like we're the, we're, we're, we're leading at a new level and in a new place. And now getting to imagine like what works for our team? How does this, what's going to work for us? You know, and our meetings are, uh, emotional they're emotive they're connective it's it's a different vibe you know um it's something new um mm-hmm. and i don't really want to at least in this setting name th- like how it was before and like why it's better now or something like that but it is different it is and i think it'll bear different kinds of fruit um so i feel a sense of family and cooperation with julie and rachel personally and that feels really good to me thanks johnny as mutual. 
Absolutely. Um, so let's 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 move into. We talked about how we moved into this place, the things that we're learning. You know, what do we hope for for the rest of the year? Like we have this map coming out. What are some things that we that we're wishing for? That w- ways that we can imagine new life and new opportunities. Um, yeah, what do you think? I'm really looking forward to uh, a simplification of our structure and our lore. Julie was talking about the pace and the volume of our life together. Um, and I think I, I, I'm just looking forward to, to rewriting our cell plan, our Sunday meeting plan. There's lots of great stuff in there, but it can be really, um, but with the listening that we're doing on our margins, mm-hmm. um, that there there's things that need to be changed and added, but also like the vol the the volume of all of it, I think, can really come down into like a a more digestible message about who Jesus is and how we are called to partner with him and in him in this moment. And I'm, I'm just really looking forward to that, that message being like clearer in us and like more like able to connect. I think the, like the way that we changed our website in these past two years was like a step in that direction. Like, um, not, not using like our own made up or our own language so much, but like, like reflecting like a more common language that, that makes it easier to like be connected to one another and to like know, know what's happening and able to jump in and make a friend and yeah. Sim- simplicity and and with that um, message of who Jesus is uh, I think we I am looking forward to demonstrating it demonstrating that message not just with words but demonstrating it in uh, in new ways through our posture our our posture as a church like mm-hmm. I think we are waking up. I I'll speak for myself. I am waking up to the um, exceptionalism that is woven into mm-hmm. uh, our church, our language, our posture, everything. Um, and yeah, the 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 body's discerning that and and has been calling for a need for reform. Um, in our map. And so I think shifting our posture to being one of listening and learning and humility actually does demonstrate the gospel um, in okay. tangible ways that will draw people to Jesus. Um, that's my prayer. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that feels so much more honest. Like we are just figuring, we are just figuring this out. <laughs> we, in solidarity with one another and with the poor, and um, that is being with Jesus, not on some some um, 
higher level of consciousness. I hope we can keep being a blessing to our neighborhoods. I hope we can keep working, learn to work better with others, other organizations, other churches, and you know, keep weaving this fabric of hope around our city and around the region, um, partnering with people as we can. You know, I hope that our Sunday meetings are like gifts to people, blessings. They leave feeling encouraged. Um, mm. And I hope that we can keep cultivating joy and cultivating the soil, too, for new faith to develop. You know, the anti-oppression work that we're dreaming of doing and that we're doing is not an end unto itself, right? I hope I'm... I'm I hope for that liberation, but I also hope that it creates a community where where people can be vulnerable, where worship can happen, where we engage with uh, we engage with God and relate to God in new ways too. Um, because the safety that we're trying to create when we make a liberatory church or add work on that um, can signal can create deeper faith too and deeper connection. And I hope that we continue to hold a posture of humility and repentance, as opposed to talking about how we've arrived where we are now. I hope that we can Mm -hmm. repent of where we've been and try to, you know, repair the harm that we've caused um, to the most vulnerable among us. Um, And I hope that we can keep moving in a direction that helps transform people, you know. Um, I think some people left us that needed to. I think that that's sometimes how it happens. I think that um, if no one is, I don't think, I don't think good leading should be measured by people who are upset with you or something like that. But if no one is, what are you really doing? You know, like we should, we, we, we should expect some tension. It's disappointing when we lose people, um, for me, cause I always want transformation to happen for people to move with where the spirit is leading us. So I hope that we can keep doing that and keep bringing transformation, but also, you know, receive the grace of God that, you know, we're not responsible for the whole world um, and for everything and just do our best with what we've got. That's what I'm hopeful for anyway. Amen. Well, cool. Thanks for doing this off-the-cuff interview here. I hope that this this encouraged the people listening and I hope that you learned something new about us. And if you've been around for a long time, I hope it offers you some hope. And if you have questions, definitely talk back to us. You know, we want to hear from you. So go to email us at resist, uh, Restore podcast at circleofhope.net. Respond to what we were saying here, and we'll definitely feature you on our next episode together. Resist and Restore podcast at circleofhope.net. This last section, we share what's been nourishing our souls. And I don't know about you pastors, but over these last two years, sometimes it's hard (laughs) to even pinpoint what is nourishing um, because there has been so much of a, um, yeah, so much difficulty and tension and struggle. But it's even more important, I think, in those times to pause and to pay attention and to ask like, what is nourishing to me? What can I share? What is God? Uh, what what is the where is the goodness of God um, feeding me? So, let's share that now. What what are you bringing today? So, I went to a live show for the first time in a couple of years. I I mean, and I forgot how much I love live music. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw this band Oceanator and then Pedro the Lion. Um, you can listen to a few episodes 
back in season two to hear my reflections on uh, Dave Bazan, <coughs> Dave Bazan's new record, Under Page of the Line. But what, what was just fun is being in a room, being connected, hearing the music. You know, there's something especially fun and electric about being at a show. Um, and I haven't done that in so long. And so, like, you know, I miss I, I missed it a lot. I miss the environment, um, the atmosphere, the the volume of music, you know, the the corporate experience. We're all experiencing it at the same time. Um, so it's really fun to share that experience with all kinds of people. So I felt blessed by it, encouraged, nostalgic. You know, he definitely sang songs that I haven't sung in a long time. So it was fun. It was it was good. So that definitely nourished my soul. Um, so when you're ready, get to a show. You know, that's this one already happened, so I can't really share it with you. But I guess he's going to be touring around, so if he's coming to your city, go for it. But like, yeah, I think that in we can do this safe, safely and consciously together um, at this point in the pandemic. Mm. Mm. I did that too for the first time, Johnny, in two years. It was it was like like yours. It was like a nostalgic uh, concert for me. We went to see Amos Lee at the Met. And Steve and I, when we were dating, went to see Amos Lee at the oh, Painted wow. Bride. So this is like <laughs> throwback the bride. to our dating years and going to the Painted Bride. Um, I'll share something that's nourished my soul this week. Rachel, it, it, I want to thank you and Chris Eden in particular. Um, mm. Chris Eden uh, leads our participatory defense hub. Not our. It's a participatory defense hub. It's a, it's a group of folks. There's several hubs around the city that organize to support folks and family members of folks who have been caught up in the criminal justice system. And... Um, Chris was organizing uh, on behalf of Taekwon Atkinson, uh, and Rachel brought this to my attention and asked the pastors if we would show up in, in court on Monday um, for Taekwon. He had been acquitted from a crime uh, that uh, where the police commissioner's son had been killed. Um, and he'd been acquitted after a juried trial, and he's still in prison. And this was a hearing of our sentencing. Um, so that that was um, like the Im the impact or the uh, actual sentencing is impacted, can be impacted by those who are in the courtroom, by those who show up. Community support makes a big difference. It communicates to the judge. Um, you know, the support around this person and um, their family. And so, uh, yeah, I was grateful that you um, nudged us to get there. And we went as, like they say, clergy being in the room. You know, we represent the communities of people right. that, that we serve um, with. So we went representing all of you and... Um, in in defiance of and in resistance to the ways in which racism just is baked into our criminal justice system. So yes. it was, yeah, it was really powerful to be there in the room. There was a, a, a large group of us. We took up most of uh, the courtroom. And um, 
it felt good to just be present to to um, you know interrupt our usual meeting time to make space to to go to city hall and to do this together. It, in some ways, it was just such a simple thing. Um, totally. And yet it was so profound. Um, so it nourished my soul to be a part of and surrounded by others who are doing it. Mm. Amen. And by shot. Oh. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, and hopefully <laughs> will have an impact. I, I don't mean to leave it, leave the story hanging that we don't know the outcome yet because the, the hearing was postponed. But I think you're going to add more to it. Go ahead, Rach. Yeah. If you're on social media, hashtag free, free Taekwondo 22. We're trying to get as much visibility around this case so that the judge will be moved toward justice. And the, he, he ordered a continuance this week, but we'll go back on May 17th, and hopefully Taekwon will be released from prison. That's our prayer. Mm. Julie reminded me today of something that's been feeding my soul all through Lent is... Um, the visual I'm I'm I love like visual art and this week on on our water daily prayer um, we're looking at the artwork of a nun I've been loving that too but in in our room since everything's happening in the room in this on this <laughs> podcast episode um, in our room on Sunday meeting in Sunday meetings during Lent we were making a a big painting together, a big installation of mycelium, which is this underground network of of fungus that breaks breaks things down. It it turns, you know, things it, it helps things die and decay so that something new can grow. It makes the soil actually very rich with nutrients so that when new seeds are planted, they can be they can open up. And we were using this as a metaphor for the power of the Holy Spirit to help us change, to break down in us um, what needs to what needs to die so that something new mm-hmm. can be can be reborn. And um, it was just it was just wonderful to see everybody up there, even kids like able to paint this because it like mycelium looks like kind of like lung like roots or like like the vessels in our lungs and so like there's no wrong way to do it like the the lines can go in every direction and all kinds of shapes and um so making this thing together as a testimony to the power of god to keep changing us was really inspiring to me and we got to be in the room where it happened during Holy Week. I've been seeing pictures on social media this whole time, whole, whole season of Lent, and it was really beautiful to be there on mm. Holy Week and add add my own painting. Thanks yes. for that. Thanks, Julie. Well, we hope that uh, our stories uh, uh, and sharing what's been nourishing our soul also nourishes you. I hope that you will write back to us. Tell us what what's getting you, um, what's feeding you, what's getting you through this week. Where is God's goodness showing up in your life? We'd love to hear.